Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. I'm Mari, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Craig and John. Hi, guys. Hello, Mari. Hello, hello. Hey, Mari. So um, you guys have daughters, right? Craig, you've got a daughter, right? I do. Almost 24. Oh, almost 24. Mine is 19, and your daughter? Two. Two daughters. 30, yes, you 33 and 32. I oh, I thought you said your daughter was two, John. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Well, we have two daughters. You, you have two. Yeah, she you was have... two once. <laughs> Well, and when she was two, this issue probably wasn't a huge deal, no. but the issue we're going to talk about today is modesty in a modest yes. world. So 10 years later or so. So did, have you, did you have some challenges with modesty in your family? So to Barb's credit, um, nothing serious, mm-hmm. but only because like I, I was not probably the ideal father because I was like, I had a very hard line and, and that was where Barb kind of coached me a little bit. John, choose your battles, mm-hmm. right? Because like I was binary, zero and one. Gotcha. One was an offense, zero was okay, and there was nothing in between. There was kind right? of no gray yeah. area for yeah. them to have a little and bit And have of... some breathing room. Barb okay. was really good about that. Okay. But I think it's better for you to be hardline than no line at all. I figured dad yeah. could be hardline, mom could fix it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> what about for <laughs> <That was> you? <laughs> what about for you, Craig? <laughs> How is it at your house? Considering you're Mr. Fix, I'm surprising you pushed it off on Barb. Not in that arena. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, we've had conversations, you know, because you get to an age where bikinis, you get to Mm -hmm. an age where whatever. And, you know, as much as my daughter may have disliked the uniforms at Catholic school, Mm -hmm. there was a a uniform that kind of kept them a little more modest. Mm -hmm. The tougher part of the conversation that was not just being hardline and saying no, go change as much as trying to get an understanding of why mm-hmm. other than you're just old and you don't get it and you want me to be different mm-hmm. than everybody else mm-hmm. it's like no here's a deeper conversation maybe respecting yourself having guys look at you a little bit better than just and again when they're really little it's one thing but when they get older right um and even today though going to mass trying mm-hmm. to have those conversations because i can look at myself and say i'm maybe not dressed appropriately all the time yeah, yeah. you know not that i'm wearing shorts maybe but so, yeah, I just think it's an ongoing conversation, mm-hmm. even at their age. Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah, my daughter um, was in Catholic school, or she was in school with a uniform. She was in school with uniform K through 12 as well. And she just said the other day, she said, oh, my gosh, I'm so thankful I had uniforms. That would have been a nightmare <laughs> trying to dress every day. And in our home, my husband, I kind of had to coach him because he'd come to me. Oh, my gosh, I don't like what she has on. I said, good, go tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to hear from you. I can say it, but it's really powerful if you say yeah, that. Yeah. And she respects and loves her dad. And so he was able to say, you know, I just don't think that's really appropriate. What else do you have? Come show me something else. And so she'd go try something else on. And he's, oh, I'd like that. You know, so he gave her that positive affirmation recognition so that um obviously it sounds like we've all had some struggles so i'm so thankful we have an expert with us today um as we talk about encouraging modesty in a very immodest world that seems to be coming more and more immodest every day so we uh we are so thankful we have got brenda Sharman with us today and brenda some of you uh, regular listeners may have heard brenda actually she graced us with her presence on the pledge drive a couple of months ago which was great uh, but brenda worked as a professional model and actress for more than 25 years and actually um right before that she was crowned miss georgia usa 
So she represented our great state in Miss USA, where she um, finished in the top six and then went on and competed in a, a, a neat pageant over in Japan and won that one, too, um, against women from 36 countries around the world. So I know we're on radio and podcast. You guys can't notice, but she is very beautiful. We're sitting here across from I her. just thought you were pretty. I didn't <laughs> know that you had all of these credentials. <laughs> exactly. But I think more importantly, Brenda is married to Steve, and she's the mother of three sons, and she's been a catechist for 20 years. And she um, really gives hope and encouragement to parents on how to have this conversation with both their daughters and their sons. So, Brenda, we welcome you into the family room today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's my pleasure to be here. Um, we are glad you were here. And we in the family room always start with prayer. I know that you appreciate that as well. So, Craig, would you uh, I have take to us do. away? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your many gifts to us. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for opening our hearts to your truth that lead us closer to you, that help us serve you better, and help us live the lives that are worthy to be called your children. We ask you to be with us, be with our listeners, uh, open all of our hearts so we can hear the wisdom that Brenda brings forth in this conversation, and that we can change our hearts and hopefully change society and bring it back to what you fully intended it to be, which was in a loving, holy relationship with you. And I just pray all these things in Jesus' holy name, with the intercession of our Blessed Mother and the intercession of St. John Paul II. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Craig. That was beautiful. Um, so as I just shared, Brenda, you have a very fascinating background. And we here in the family room just always love the fact that God in his mercy and wisdom always uses our backgrounds in amazing ways. So he has used your background in very interesting ways. And so we're going to discover more about that during our time together. What else would you like to share about yourself with our listeners? Well, I, I think my story actually began uh, as a young girl getting into the, the fashion industry. Um, I came from a family, uh, I wasn't always Catholic. I converted in 1999, so I've been a very happy on-fire Catholic for 23 <laughs> years now. And um, I grew up in a family where we really didn't go to church together. Sometimes we would go to the Unitarian Church with my mom. And um, that's kind of a believe whatever you want to believe mm. type of get together. And I don't ever like to really say it's a church necessarily because I don't know if they have anything in per se that they're worshiping. So mm. it's kind of a get together. Um, and then we we really just weren't taught, you know, what's in the Bible or we weren't taught um, moral boundaries, the Ten Commandments, any of that. It was mm. kind of I think my parents were a product of the hippie generation. Ah, yeah. And I remember back in the 70s, they had posters that said, if it feels good, do it. Remember, that was kind of the mindset wow. of the so 70s. those were the posters in your house. Growing well, up. maybe not in our house, but around. <laughs> yeah. I was like, don't wow. think, feel. That was the yeah, that was the, the mentality. Yeah, I, I should yes, say. I do but, remember that. Yep. Yeah. My parents were, um, you know, kind of that just that hippie lifestyle and um and my my dad had a collection of gentlemen's magazines mm. that from like back in the 50s that would just lay around our house you know and mm. on the coffee table and um so it was just kind of a very freestyle home mm. and um and of course, looking through those magazines, my entire life, you know, it formed the way I looked at, at women and what I thought beauty was or what it looked like. And um, and from a young age, I decided I wanted to get into the modeling business. And I started in high school and started doing uh, fashion shows and print campaigns for local clients. And then after high school, I just continued full time. 
mm-hmm. in the fashion industry. And um, I met my husband backstage at a fashion show. And, and what people don't realize typically is that with fashion shows, everybody's literally changing clothes backstage in co-ed dressing rooms. Oh, wow. So that's how we met. So it wasn't like a virtuous, <laughs> you know, foundation, whatever. Um, but I wasn't ever taught the virtue of modesty mm. at home ever. It was never a part of our conversation. And then, of course, you know, in the fashion industry, the the phrase is, if you got it, you flaunt it, that type mm-hmm. of thing. And, and I used to model anything and everything, you know, lingerie in, in a fashion show or in print or, mm-hmm. you know, the catalogs, the magazines. Um, so I just never thought about the word modesty ever. And then um, I entered, as you mentioned, the Miss Georgia USA pageant. And, you know, it was fine putting on a swimsuit and high heels <laughs> and going on stage and getting a score. Um, so that was not abnormal in my world either Mm -hmm. and then uh, my husband and I got engaged so he proposed you know that we could get married after I was Miss Georgia he said I I, I could then become a missus (laughs) so we were engaged and um and he said, well, I think we should get married in the Catholic Church. And at the time, I had visited the Catholic Church with him a little bit when we were dating and visiting his mother. We were, you know, the CNE visiting Catholics. Christmas and Easter, we'd go see mom and mm-hmm. go with her. And I did love the Catholic Church. You know, when I started being introduced to it, it was beautiful. And I, I guess the sense of the sacred was impressive to me. And um, and I was very touched, too, when I would see my husband kneeling mm. in that humble posture at Mass. And, you know, and for mm-hmm. somebody who's kind of living in the world in this prideful lifestyle of model, actor, whatever, um, it was very moving to see my husband on his knees. Yeah. You yeah. Know, in oh, mass. that's so funny. I just, you made me flashback to when I was engaged to my husband and I was singing in the choir. And I remember looking out during practice and he came early. And he was kneeling. I remember that. You just, yeah, that was a great flashback. Yeah. And just how it touched my heart to see him so humbly kneeling. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not a posture you see anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So um, so he said, well, I think we should get married in the Catholic Church. And, you know, from my perspective, I said, oh, well, that'll be fine because they have the most beautiful churches. And it'll be so nice in my fed- photo album. <laughs> so I, w- I was down with that. And I signed the paper that I would raise our kids Catholic. I had no idea what that really meant. Mm. Um, but I just wanted to marry my cute husband and live happily, happily ever after. And have beautiful pictures. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, I think that, you know, being married, we got married at the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in downtown mm-hmm. Atlanta. And I think that, you know, Mary started kind of probably extending her graces on me mm. through that. And um, and then everything with my conversion was put on overdrive when I became pregnant mm-hmm. with uh-huh. our first son. And he's um, about to be 27. So, you know, back, you know, that many years ago. I started just feeling very responsible for teaching this new person, you know, who is God? Where can I find him? How can I know him? Why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we celebrate Christmas? And I really didn't have those answers. And it was through that gift of motherhood mm. and, you know, you know, working with the creator in such a close way to bring another human life into the world. It was very uh, profound for me. Yeah, what a so. Grace. It really is. It's such a gift. Um, so I started doing homework, my homework, and started learning about everything from Hinduism to Buddhism, the New Age movement, just started reading anything, you know, from anyone about God mm. and how I could find God. I really had a strong craving, a hunger, you know, where is God? How can I know him? Mm. How can I love him and serve him? 
And at one point, I remember asking my husband, I said, well, and he wasn't quite as on fire as I was. Mm -hmm. And he was the kind of Catholic where he always claimed to be Catholic, always said he loved Catholicism, but he just wasn't going. Yeah. And so he, he was a cradle Catholic. Mm -hmm, okay. He was, yeah. And he was Pretty born, typical of cradle yeah, Catholics, unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah. he was born into the faith, but he just wasn't living it out. Um, he was happy to play golf and tennis on the weekends, you know, and that was his Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I said to him one day, I said, I, I just need to go to church. I, I feel a pull in my heart and I'm going to start going to a church. So I'll just go to this one down the street. Okay. And he said, well, no, if, if, if you're going to go to church, you really are, then I'll go with you. And we, we should probably find a Catholic church. And I was oh, like, well, fine. If you're going to go, let's go. Yeah. So. We, it was in his jeans. It was in his jeans. He's yes, there. yes, okay. yes. So we uh, started attending Transfiguration okay, yeah. in, in Marietta. And I tell you, the music there really, really touched my heart. They have a great music ministry. The uh, music director sounded like he was straight off Broadway. The words of the songs were so, it was so emotional for me. Mm. And I started, you know, hearing the words of, you know, he'll hold you in the palm of his hand. And it was just very touching. And, mm -hmm. and I hadn't ever heard music like that before, you know, that, um, sincere, and it was just very moving. And, um, and so after a period of time, I finally decided that I did want to become Catholic. And that was really the point in time where I feel like I invited Christ into my heart, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and I wanted to give my life to him. And then it was just a very emotional experience moving forward. And I cried at mass every single weekend for at least a year. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And that's the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, that's one of yeah. the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and you were talking about the music. You were hearing scripture. You were hearing mm -hmm. the word of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it was moving yeah. and profound for you. Yes. Yes. That's great. Very much so. So it was, it was a beautiful um, conversion experience and, uh, and, and God totally took over my life, our marriage, you know, my mind, my heart, and a lot of things changed after that. Yes. Now it's a beautiful story. It's interesting too, because, you know, oftentimes we have life experiences that either they were positive and we use them, but there's also some negative that God uses. He doesn't waste anything, right? Every experience we have, God uses to bring out something else. As long as, like you talked about, you know, we open up our hearts and we accept him and kind of accept where he's leading. And, you know, since you had the experience in the pageant pageantry business, I guess mm -hmm. it is, the fashion industry and entertainment, um, sounds like you have some unique perspectives that came out of that when you... I think you've used the term when you become a new creation, you know, mm -hmm. scripture says when you, when you get to know Christ, you, you become made anew and you become a new creation. So through that and looking at things through Christ's eyes now, not the world's eyes or your former worldly eyes, um, what did you really notice in all that? Well, I think that um, a lot of a lot of things changed. As, as I said, I remember one day sitting at mass and I was on, on one of the front rows and I was just wearing a, a quote, little sundress. And, um, my, you know, it, it was sleeveless and probably a little short. And I just remember thinking, this is not holy enough to be mm. in church and, and having a sacred space. And this is not a sacred outfit. And um, and I it was very uh, definite. And I thought, this is just not appropriate to wear in this holy place. Wow. And um, and I remember going home and literally going through my closet and just determining, you know, 
this is not who I want to be anymore. And this doesn't project the right message because I knew after having represented so many different companies Mm. um, and I had been on billboards before or uh, covers of their magazines. And when you represent a product, you know, you want it to be authentic. And I knew now that I should be a walking billboard for Jesus and his church. So your product changed. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. What a a great revelation. So when, when you're wearing a cross around your, on your neck and you're, showing everyone that you're a Christian, you should have an authentic witness with the wardrobe that you're wearing. So so I, I noticed that myself. And then I also realized that I no longer wanted to model a lot of what I modeled before. And so I told my agencies I no longer wanted to model lingerie. Mm-hmm. And it was classy stuff for, you know, the manufacturers, Hanes or Vanity Fair or whatever. Um, um, but I just didn't feel comfortable at the thought of having my priest open up the Sunday paper and see me in my underwear. Mm -hmm. So how did um, they react to that when you told them I no longer want to model for those brands? You know, they were fine. Mm -hmm. They were probably personally surprised, but nobody tried to pressure me or anything. It was just like, Oh wow. Okay. All right. Well, if that's how you feel. So it was was more or less like that, but it was, um, it was like a third of my income Mm because I did a lot of that type of, Mm -hmm. of work, but, um, I just knew that it wasn't for me anymore. And um, so after editing my my photos, <laughs> my what I would model anymore, you know, my wardrobe at home, it just was very different. And then one day, a very good friend of mine, a very holy woman, told me about a modesty fashion show that she was involved with that a challenge clubs, a, a girls club in Atlanta uh-huh. used to host this modesty fashion show. And it was called Pure Fashion. And she said, maybe you could help with that. And I was like, that's great. I said, I love Jesus. I love the church. And where else could I use my very odd skill set? <laughs> you know, other unique, than something unique. like How this. About that? <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, it was something that I, I started working with back in like 2004, 2005. And then the ministry of pure fashion just exploded around the world. And um, for a few, several years, I was the national director. Um, and the message was just really great. And it was, um, it impacted a lot of young women, you know, back in the day and um, but it's still a powerful message today yeah definitely so if you were just tuning in you were here in the family room and we are here with our guest Brenda Sharman and we're talking about a very hot topic modesty um, in this very immodest world and Brenda has got a wonderful perspective on that both from her personal life as well as from some beautiful ways that she used what God put on her heart to touch and to reach other people as well um Brenda, as you were speaking and you were talking about being in mass and all of a sudden saying, I'm in this sacred space and this is not a holy outfit. The scripture in my mind came, be holy as I am holy. God Mm -hmm. was calling you to holiness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what you seem to have done as well. You know, so as you took over pure fashion, as you did that, what did you what did you realize you could do for these young girls kind of almost in that realm of helping them to see um, who they were as God was calling them? Yeah. Well, I th- I think that most young women, most women of all ages, you know, we want to feel pretty. You mm-hmm. you want to feel attractive. You mm-hmm. want to feel appropriate. Um, so we were trying to share with the girls how they could still be trendy, but tasteful, yeah. modern, but modest. Mm-hmm. And you could still show the world, you know, your beauty and your confidence without having to expose 
too many of your privates. We believe too that your private parts should remain private. private. Yes, yeah. you know. Um, and and Didn't so- scripture kind of say that too. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't say he clothed those lesser parts in such a manner. Yes, in order to keep them discreet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there there is a reference to that. Yes, and even like in Saint Peter, it says, "Beloved, clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another, for God opposes the proud but bestows favor on the humble." Mm-hmm. So that's another foundational. Uh, topic with pure, pure fashion back then and with the topic of modesty because it really needs to stem from a humble heart mm. that you know we're not out there to you know show ourselves off and that and there, there's no holiness without humility mm. so that's really the foundational virtue oh, that's um and and so often girls are faced with messages today that encourage them to just you know flaunt it show everything you know it our life's goal should be to be hot and sexy and those are contrary message messages to the gospel as we all know mm-hmm. but still they're very loud voices that all of our girls yeah. are hearing and it's it is the antithesis of what the truth is mm-hmm. i guess that'd be a lie mm-hmm. um how did you how did you communicate the right message when the foundation from the i mean i'm i'm discrediting you know, family work that could be done. And so I don't intend to do that. But as a general rule, young girls brought up, even in a good, healthy family, have been given the wrong message. And the family hasn't always, you know, corrected that. How did you communicate? What did you say to young girls to start to rewire their minds? So this topic is is not something that is, there, there's not a quick fix. Right. And there's not a secret sauce. <laughs> there's not mm-hmm. a, a, a a quick answer. Um, I think that it's it's more about the heart than it is the hemline. And parents have to start from a very young age, helping their young ladies to understand um, the topic of of modesty. And you have to begin at a at a young age, you know, teaching them that that they are a beloved child of God, and that God loves them, and that their body is a treasure. You know, um, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, as Christ as you know, our Christian faith teaches us. So we need to clothe them appropriately. So from a young age, a girl needs to hear these words, and then it needs to be backed up by her father. And then sometimes there will be instruction when she and her mom are in dressing rooms Mm -hmm. trying on Mm -hmm. outfits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and this is assuming that the mother has a regard for modesty. And so often, Mm -hmm. even, you know, the grown women might not you know, and, and that's a very modern mentality to not even care about this virtue at all. But say in best case scenario, there is a mother who does care and she wants to teach this to her daughter. She has to start very young because how she'll instruct a young girl is going to be different than a preteen or mm-hmm. a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you can even share with a young lady is about the way men look at women is different. Like when she gets, becomes a teenager and the young girl's body develops, you can talk more about, you know, lust or temptation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like this morning I was praying the, our father lead us not into temptation. How about let, let's, let's not lead others into mm-hmm. temptation either. And I think that, that young girls, um, so often their dads might have a hard time saying to them, Honey, you know, men are very visual. And mm-hmm. when they see you in that type of an outfit with too much cleavage or maybe tight pants, you know, it causes these thoughts. 
And that's a very uncomfortable conversation mm-hmm. for a dad to have with their daughter. So the, the mother and the father really have to work as a team to teach some of these sticky subjects mm-hmm. um, so that there's full appreciation on the young lady's part, understanding the mindset of men and how how men are wired and very visual. And so what she might think is a cute outfit, a man might look at it and go, that's more than cute. Different mm-hmm. message. Yeah. Right. Right. Different yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I like um, the fact that you brought that up because some people are afraid to mention that, you know, in this day and age where we're supposed to be asexual about things and there's no difference between men and women and all, but there is, and it's honoring, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, I'm not saying don't dress that way because men can't control themselves. I'm saying don't dress that way because that is honoring and respectful if you understand that God made men visual and we are told in the Bible not to be a stumbling block for anybody, right? And we don't want to create a situation where somebody becomes, starts to have lessful thoughts just because you're doing that, you know, and I'm never saying, you know, your fault, my fault type of thing, but there's a reality. There's a truth to this. You know, we taught our kids from a young age that what you put in your mind stays visual things are very strong. And I remember talking to them about movies and Mm -hmm. watching certain movies and how certain movies, especially with scary messages or evil messages, what that's going to do. And my kids took that to heart so much so that when my daughter was in second grade, my son was in fourth grade. My son found out that the teacher had shown the class a movie. It was like the greatest Christmas pageant or something where a kid smokes cigarettes. Yeah. He came home just so mad. Oh, my gosh. The the teacher showed Lily a a movie where the the kid was smoking cigarettes and saying bad words, Mom. That's going to be in her mind, and that's so bad for her, (laughs) Mom. And he was trying to protect his sister, and it's that same message. We want to protect each other. Right? right from the, the things, vision, visuals, and thoughts, mm-hmm. and all that. Well, yeah, really isn't there an irony as well, though, where you dress in a sexy manner, and a guy walks down the street and looks at you and stares at you, and then you get offended? Like, uh, what are you? Right. Why are you staring at me like that? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're half naked, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's kind of obvious that you right. want people to look, but I don't want you to look like that. So there isn't that differentiation yeah. between I want to be attractive and draw attention, but the right kind of attention versus I'm going to get attention no matter what kind it is and whatever the consequences are, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, like the, a, a cute 20 year old girl dressing that way really only wants the attention of the cute 20 year old guy. <laughs> you know, then like if, if a 50 year old, 60, 70 year old man looks at her, she's like, stop, don't right. look at me. You know, but that's weird. You, yeah. you, you can't have that filter out there. You just yeah. need to be appropriate for all right. eyes. And but, if you teach your children the truth about how men and women are wired, then they'll understand that as well. Right? Yeah. But, and I, I remember one of the scripture passages that really hit me hard when I was discovering all this it's it's the one that says but whoever causes one of these little ones mm. who believe in me to sin it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened mm-hmm. around his neck and to be thrown into the depths of the sea exactly i mean very strong words it is strong that's yeah. what i was talking about the stumbling yeah. we're not supposed yeah. to be stumbling blocks yeah so um if you are just tuning in you are here with brenda Sharman talking about the topic the virtue of modesty and so please tune in we'll be back in just a few minutes We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. Here at the Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever. 
People need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, the Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to the Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. Welcome back to The Family Room. We're here with Brenda Sherman talking about virtue and modesty. Thank you for joining us again. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we always like to find out, um, because we are a family here and we like to make you part of our family, so... What is your favorite either childhood family room memory? And I mind you, it could be in a den, it could be in your kitchen, it could be somewhere else. Childhood or with your current family, with your husband and your three boys? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably go with the, my current family. <laughs> yeah, my husband and three boys. So we've lived in the same house our, our you know, our whole married life. So for the for the past 31 years. So um, in that family room, which goes family room, breakfast, kitchen, it's just one big room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there have been so many great life moments there. All three of our kids coming home from the hospital, so many Christmases, Easter's, you know, just all the big family celebrations. Um, but I think that if I were to say, you know, what's a special memory to me, it would have to be the more deeper meaning moments of, you know, when we're together and we're all praying. Mm. Um, I 
love, love, my heart loves it when we're in the living room praying the rosary together at night. Um, and of course, you know, we're not perfect with the family rosary every day, but um, it's definitely been um, something on our hearts and minds to do more. Um, and as the kids get older, it is easier to do this. Um, but we we love to pray the rosary together at night, you know, as, as often as we, we can do that with our busy work schedules, sports and all those conflicts. But <laughs> Um, but, you know, life is good, and the family room is such a special place. place. It's just the best. Yeah. Especially if you have a kitchen close by. Yeah. Popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not sure why that came out. <laughs> you can eat popcorn and say the rosary. Popcorn. I'm sure you can do that, can. right? I've never tried that. <laughs> when I think of popcorn, I think of Father Ketter's family room. Oh, that's memory. right. I yeah, that's that why was his a big family one for him. Yeah, yeah popcorn. See? Yeah. Um, So, Brenda, before the break, we were talking about modesty and especially how it's become even more challenging today with our young people. And we talked about how all the different influences that are coming into their minds, uh, into their visions, um, just the the, um, pervasiveness of social media today and how that has changed, potentially changed things and made it even more challenging. So how have you seen social media affect the idea of modesty in our culture today? Yeah, I think that as we were mentioning earlier about how there's no holiness without humility, um, that I I think that virtue can sometimes be set aside. um, But we need to teach the virtue of humility to our children Mm. because social media is so often is based upon, you know, this all about me, look at me mentality, Mm -hmm. um, and not really being humble. So, so how do you draw that line of how you can share your really fun and special life moments, Mm -hmm. share photos of you and your family and your friends, but in a humble way where you're not bragging. Mm -hmm. Um, and so often I think young girls are tempted to put together a social media page where it's almost like their modeling portfolio as if they were, you know, trying to model for a hot swimsuit catalog. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, young girls are, I've heard of them going to the beach with, you know, a suitcase of clothes that they're really going to wear and then a suitcase of clothes that they're going to go just take photos in. Oh, yeah. And and the hotter and the sexier, the better. So they feel compelled to get these really hot photos of themselves so that they can get more likes. Mm -hmm. And our poor kids are living in a a daily popularity contest, a daily beauty pageant Mm -hmm. where the scores are put on their social media right then and there. Mm -hmm. And, And... And that's really, really hard. And I think that does um, lead into some of these sad statistics that we're seeing about teenage depression and teenage suicide. And we're not made for that. We're Mm -hmm. we're not made to judge the way we look in a photo or how sexy we are, you know, compared to your friends. So it's very unhealthy. Um, And I think that if, you know, parents can start at a young age with their kids and really keep an eye on what they're posting or who they're following, what Mm -hmm. they're looking at, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you can tell a lot about what's going on in a girl's heart when you look at who she follows, Mm -hmm. you know, and the reality is we're all supposed to be followers of Christ first and foremost. So if our social media doesn't Uh, align with that and it doesn't reflect our faith, then there might be something worth talking about there. But it's really everywhere. It's not just social media, too. It's it's in our our movies, you know, the music, the lyrics, I mean, Mm -hmm. have gotten have just like gone down that slippery slope. And and even a long time ago, Confucius said, show me the music of a nation and I'll show you the morality of a nation. Mm. Show me the music of a nation and I'll show you the morality of a nation. 
So there's a lot of song lyrics that don't reflect well on on who we are <laughs> as Americans. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, our music goes worldwide. I remember I was on pilgrimage to Medjugorje uh, mm-hmm. years ago, and I heard like some ACDC rock song or, <laughs> you know, something. I was like, oh, my gosh, this stuff just goes worldwide. Yep. So, you know, we are responsible for what we create and what we make in the fields of art and beauty and music and mm-hmm. all that. And I think that we should get back to appreciating that which is truly beautiful and truly holy and that which uplifts our hearts and minds to God and doesn't drag them down into the gutter. Mm, that's beautifully said. I also really appreciate the tip you just shared with parents. Go see who your kids are following. And if you are on your kid's Instagram page and they've let you be on their page, which you know what most of the time you're the one who owns the phone you're the one paying the bills so there should not be a question about that but go see who they're following and I, i love that idea of hey tell me why you've chosen to follow this person talk to me about what you're seeing in their life that's attractive to you and what do you like and and to start to see are there some red flags there for you mm-hmm. um, with your kids I think that's really practical and really helpful yeah, yeah I agree and even our, our lady um, has even said in, in one of her her visions where she's appeared to visionaries and she said um, she said that there are and I think this was actually to the children of Fatima she said that m- more souls mm. go to hell for sins of the flesh than for any other sin Mm -hmm. and that there would be fashions in this century that would very much offend our Lord. Wow. That's a very profound statement. The other thing I like though about what you said is it's really about the family. We we keep saying we're the family room, Mm -hmm. but it is about the family coming together because I think too many times we as fathers either are non-existent because we're too busy working or we're too busy doing whatever and we put the responsibility on you ladies. And I think without having the both of us kind of reinforcing it and not in a um, militaristic way where you're just demanding and crushing. Yeah, I'm looking at you, John, where you're (laughs) crushing people, but really in a loving way where you're trying to bring out exactly what you've said. Here's the beauty of all those things. And, you know, you talk about encouraging modesty with our daughters. You've given some practical steps. Can you kind of go back through those And if there's any to unpack even further, how do we better do that? Because, I mean, one thing I don't like about doing this show is it brings to mind all my failures of, oh, shoot, I could have done that a whole lot better. So All of us. It it calls me to task. Very convicted, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So you even had some practical tips about modesty at mass and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, make sure that your daughters have read the scripture passages that refer to this. You know, bring up the first Corinthians. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Mm -hmm. So make sure, you know, do a Google search on modesty. There are great videos online. You can find a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of great apologists and speakers, you know, speak on this topic. Um, And just practically speaking, you know, start with the most holy day of the week, Sunday. So Sunday mass, how do we dress? Um, For a young lady, there's a classic rule of modesty for modesty at mass, and that's basically covering your shoulders and your knees and everything in between <laughs> so keeps it simple and i'm not saying that every single dress of mine covers my knees entirely i, I don't think we want to be that legalistic mm-hmm. but you can do things like you know put your four fingers together and you put them on your collarbone and then um, your pinky finger like necklines don't normally need to 
plunge much lower than that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can kind of come up with these guidelines. Um, but just you you can get yourself dressed in the mirror and you see, is there too much thigh showing? You know, are my, are my arms covered? Do I look decent? Um, is this a sacred looking outfit? Um, and then with young men, young men are easier. My boys, you know, their uniform for mass pretty much their whole life has been khakis and a polo shirt. Mm-hmm. And so they're used to that. <laughs> they're fine with it. But our culture has gotten very comfortable with our clothing. Um, and especially with COVID, I think that, you know, everybody mm-hmm. is very comfortable, even the work workplace, you know, suits are hardly seen outside of law firms nowadays. Um, but I think that if you can just, you know, dress up your child to look <clears throat> respectful and like you tried, um, I don't think that, you know, short shorts and flip-flops really project the right message at mass. Um, and sometimes things happen where you have to go to church. Like oftentimes my sons play travel baseball. And if we have an early game, early tournament or whatever, you know, we'll take him in his baseball uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, not when it's covered in mud or anything, but mm-hmm. he'll be clean, but he's in a baseball uniform. Mm-hmm. And you might not say, oh, that's a holy outfit. But, you know, sometimes that's just our reality. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, I do think God, God understands. But I don't think that we get such a hall pass when it's um, immodesty in a young lady. I think that we really have to be discreet. I think the consequences are different. People will say it's unfair to say that, but it's the truth, right? And and kind of maybe turning our attention to the young men for a second uh, in two different ways. Number one is I want to talk about a little bit more with what you're doing with your sons and, and, and that piece of it. But I think... The other piece that needs to be said, and the reason that I drew a hard line um, with our with our, our girls was, and I'm not going to quote this because I'm going to get the details wrong, but I bet if you check me out, there is a um, there was a study done, you know, and they do all kinds of different things for psychology tests, you know, eye movement and stuff like that. There was a study done for for men as a general rule when they encounter a woman, they will do a head to toe body scan mm. visually. Just top to bottom, um, it's not creepy. It's not weird unless you you you, you don't manage that right. And and we were talking at the break. Just I I went to an all boys high school, um, and it was a boarding school, right? So um, it was ever how many adolescent. It was like a wash in testosterone. The entire like building, thousand, like know? a thousand boys or yeah, something. Well, it wasn't that many, but um, mm-hmm. but I I can't. Between my father and the fathers, how many lectures we got on custody of the vision? Because I don't think they read the study, but they had a building full of men and they knew how they, young men, they knew how they behaved, right? And it was lecture after lecture after lecture of how do you look at a woman? Mm. And you were talking about, you know, the role of the father. The father needs to speak like with his son Mm -hmm. and with his daughters and girls are going to. Girls want the attention and affection of a man. If they don't get it first from their father, mm-hmm. then the pattern is broken, right? And so I think the other the other thing is just young men, just making sure that they understand the respect for a woman. Because God wired us beautifully mm-hmm. to be attracted one to the other. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's how it works, then he also expects us to control it. So I'm, I by no means ever want to imply that how a young lady dresses exonerates a young man from his behavior. We own our behavior. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think that that was important. And I, I don't know how that works in your house, Brenda, and and some things that you're sharing or, or that Steve is sharing with um, with the boys and, and, and what advice you would have maybe for that piece of it. 
Yeah. And I think too, um, like we have three sons and they all have different personalities. Um, one of my favorite books that that I talk about all the time is the temperament that God gave you. Mm -hmm. So I think that Mm -hmm. we all have to really understand the temperaments of our different children because different people are wired in different ways. So you might have one child who doesn't have a problem with this, gets the whole modesty message. Um, and, and embraces it naturally. And then you might have another child who, you know, is, is kind of a different temperament, a different personality, and you know, and they're harder. Uh, it, it's a bigger challenge for them. So um, with our three boys, they are they do have different personalities and we have to teach them in different ways. But I think, you know, there again, um, if, if somebody has that that root sin of like vanity, then they're going to want to, you know, possibly be attracted to a certain type of girl. Um, and if maybe the other temperament, the other personality, he's looking for something else, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So. I think each one of our children, we have to address them differently because mm-hmm. in, in somebody like like who's a sanguine personality, they're, they're going to be want to be like the life of the party and they're going to naturally be more of a showy person. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to want to get attention and want to have likes and like that type of thing. So you have to kind of like work with a person like that differently than, say, a more quiet, melancholy personality who doesn't naturally strive for a bunch of attention and doesn't mm-hmm. want to put himself out there that way. Mm-hmm. So it, it's different, you know, with our kids, and we have to just do that the, the best we can with each child as a parent. So if you are just tuning in, you are here in the family room, and we are visiting with Brenda Sharman. We're talking about modesty and, and as practical advice and practical ideas that we as parents can do. So, Brenda, I love those ideas about, you know, taking each child individually and recognizing where is their, where's their stumbling block going to be, right, based on their temperament and mm-hmm. what vice might come more naturally to them um, and what virtue do you want to uh, encourage them to be more yes. mindful of. Um, something you said, John, I don't want to uh, skate by that too quickly. I think it's so important. You mentioned the custody of your eyes, mm-hmm. um, and that's all part of that self-control. It, what you made me think of is we, we read in Romans 12 about take every thought captive. Well, for guys, maybe it's take your eyes captive, right? Because the next line is to the obedience of Christ, to the obedience of Christ, and um, let his like let that gift of the Holy Spirit of self-control help you with with that yeah yes absolutely so um one of the things that you also mentioned is uh you have a phrase you say that you want young men to see themselves as protectors and not predators mm-hmm. would you unpack that for us a bit yeah so i think that you know every every young man is called to be for their future wife a, a protector a mm-hmm. prayer warrior mm-hmm. And and not a predator. They're like young men are not supposed to just be out there looking for the next girl to conquer or mm-hmm. or to use or to, you know, human beings aren't meant to be used temporarily and then discarded. One of the messages that we used to speak about in pure fashion was that girls, you know, young women are we're all created to be treasures. It's not toys. Not um, a treasure is something that you cherish, you value, you protect it. You know, you want to have it around forever. Mm. A toy is something that's temporary. You just use it and you can discard it, like a, a happy meal meal toy. You know. Yeah. Um, so girls need to know that they are treasures. They're mm-hmm. beautiful daughters of God, you know, created in the image and likeness of God. They have value and worth um, and that their beauty should come from the inside. Mm-hmm. And it's not really all about what's on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time 
a, a, a visionary was speaking to the Blessed Mother and she she said, you're so beautiful. Why are you so beautiful? And Our Lady said, it's because of love. If you mm-hmm. want to be more beautiful, love more. Mm. And so if you, if you think about like the beauty of somebody like a modern day saint, like Mother Teresa, who just exuded love, everything yeah. about her was about love. And she had this undeniable beauty to her yet it wasn't the external beauty that you know gets praised in our modern world um i don't think mother Teresa ever had a manicure or used wrinkle cream or anything like that but she had i think she had two two outfits right yeah right exactly but she had that everlasting beauty that Mm -hmm. came from her spirit Mm -hmm. and her her love of god and it exuded to other people so if i could say anything to young women if you want to be more beautiful just cultivate that that joyful, loving heart Mm -hmm. and love other people. And when they're around you, they will feel that love coming from you. And that's going to make them like you Mm -hmm. and think you're beautiful. Yeah. So without having to hit the like button. Right. And I want to go back because, you know, John and I came together on this show for this exact reason, because he said it earlier, you know, if we as fathers are doing our job, you're going to have less of these kind of problems because we are protecting by us protecting we're teaching our boys how to protect and if we can step into our roles and really live out what god wants us to be our daughters won't have to be immodest because they won't yearn for that kind of attention they'll be like okay this is what real this is what real love is all about it's 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 all in here Mm -hmm. and yeah we've talked about there's eating disorders there's all these things that manifest because we're so focused on the external and the studies are if the dad does his job the daughter is better in school oftentimes she's less likely to have sex which means typically she's less likely to be a modest and get into those kind of relationships and i just think that as we focus on this though we don't want to lose sight we steve john craig and everybody out there the men in the world we have an obligation yeah. we have mm-hmm. a responsibility to bring that back and love our wives and our daughters with a holy love. You, you talk about sacred, with a true sacred and holy love. Mm-hmm. That, that's a really good segue to the question that I wanted to ask. It's I got to believe, and I don't want to put you on the spot or embarrass anybody, but I got to believe in your house um, that you and Steve and how Steve behaves with you would be a model that you would want your sons to carry, to mm-hmm. carry forward, right? And, and it's not the lecture that they got. It's what they see their father do with their mother every single day. I remember my dad telling me, like in sixth grade, that if ever he had to make a decision between us kids and my mom, it was my mom, hands down. Mm. So this is like when I'm sixth grade, like I'm thinking that I am safe in the world because my father is there, Mm -hmm. right? And he says, yeah, but if I got to make a decision between you and your mom, (laughs) it's your mom. And And that like, I don't want to say hurt, but like that was a wake up call. I will tell you that has changed how I think about women because just, and, and, and so I, I got off on that. I apologize. I remember giving That's the nice. same lecture to my son. Like, Hey, this worked on me. I'm going to give it a shot. Right? <laughs> well, it's also, it, it informs how you treat Barb, right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but then I also know that you guys do some things like with blessings and just things to make 
holy in the house. Talk a little yeah, bit about that. We, we were, with, we were talking about that. Boys. That, yeah. Yeah. that we like to invite Jesus into every aspect of our life, and that includes the boys' sports. So I've been known to be the mom to go get holy water from a, a nearby church and come in the dugout and bless the bats and the gloves <laughs> for the kids. And um, my son, who's 14 years old, he makes the sign of the cross uh, before every at-bat, blesses the plate. He learned that from his brother. Um, you know, thanks God, praises God when he gets a home run, the whole thing. And and he's a great example for his teammates. And both my 20-year-old and 14-year-old, Michael and Matthew, have, um, you know, been the prayer leader for their teams in high mm. school, our public high school. It was a beautiful sight to see my 20-year-old son out there leading his baseball team in prayer before the games. And now Matthew's doing it. And I see that Matthew is unapologetic about his Catholic faith and his social media is permeated with, you know, memes and things about God. And, and that's a positive influence for his friends too, Mm -hmm. as he's going into high school next year. So I think that, you know, we're just all very comfortable talking about our faith. And then when you see it lived out in your kids, it's very reassuring. Yeah, that's great. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wind down here real quickly, what would you bring out is one message of hope in a world that people seem to think is falling down around them to parents or grandparents? What would be your message of hope to everybody? Well, God said that, you know, he was going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I, I think that we're we're all going to be fine, but we do have to stay close to Jesus and we have to know our faith. We have to learn to love it and live it. And I think that it's super important that we just teach our kids how comfortable they can be praying to God. So I, I, I have learned that many kids don't know how to pray out loud. They don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think that they have to learn that how to feel comfortable praying to Jesus out loud with each other with a family um so that's one thing is that if if a family isn't praying out loud and often together that you know start now um because i think that's foundational yeah so it sounds like you guys have done that because otherwise your sons wouldn't know how to be their prayer leaders right Mm -hmm. at their schools Mm -hmm. that's great so coming close to jesus um so um our listeners i know have been so blessed by your words of wisdom, um, your uh, obvious joy and love of Jesus. So we thank you, um, your love of the Catholic Church. We thank you for that. So in our thank show you. notes, we will have a way to contact you. If if um, I know some moms might want to say, how did you do this? You know, or maybe at my parish, I can start a mini ministry around teaching girls to be more modest or helping helping them walk into their true identity as daughters of of Jesus. So you'll sure. we'll have that. Yeah, I I would be happy if you want to um, give my email on the show notes page. I would be happy to help and offer advice. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, Brenda, we thank you so much. And would you bless us and our listeners by closing us in prayer today? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these hosts, the Quest Radio and uh, Catholic Radio here in Atlanta. We're so blessed by all that we learn and what is shared on this program. We thank you for the host, the speaker, and we just ask that you'll continue to bless all of our families, bless our country, our world, give us peace in our hearts, peace in our homes. We thank you. And we thank you, Jesus and your blessed mother for always watching over us, always protecting us and guiding us in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Amen. In the father, the son, the Holy Holy spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Brenda, thank you once again. 
and John and Craig. I did backwards, <laughs> Craig and John. <laughs> Always great to be with Nobody you. Knows. And please be with us here again next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.